What are you doing? Jolly Boys Podcasts. Hey, hey Tom. How you doing? All right, mate. How are you? Hi, Tom. Very well. It's good to be back. Uh, there are only three of us today. Why's that? Unfortunately, Ed is not able to be with us. I don't know where he is. He's probably done a nick in there. He tried flogging me a hooky mic away this afternoon. <laughs> He'll be with Slater then, will he? Either that or trying to hide an urn. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to miss Ed's input. So we'll just have to... Model prove out him. Yeah, that's your best. We thing. miss you, Ed. We do miss Ed. Yeah. Come back soon. But today we're going to be discussing... Uh, Ashes to Ashes, a second episode of Series 2. Yeah, exciting. I think it's a, uh, it's a really good episode, and I think it's one of the first ones I ever watched, so um, it's got a real good comedy feel to it, I think. It's got some good scenes in there, some good locations as well. Yeah, it's getting a bit more sharp now, isn't it? I, I think it's uh, uh, one of these episodes for Grandad where it really develops his character, because <clears throat> he takes more of a front seat in this episode, I find. Yeah, yeah. it's centralised character in, in this whole plot, isn't it? And you find out a little bit about his background, um, you know, co- um, cosying up to Trigg's grandma. It's sort of implied that he was having a bit of a thing with her, which uh, Arthur obviously held on to and held a bit of a grudge about him so it's a nice little bit of background story on uh, granddad on this one and also trigger's quite sort of he's got a lot to say isn't he he's quite uh, articulate in language yes yeah, it's, it's another episode with the intelligent trigger <laughs> yeah i think trigger really comes into his own in this episode actually and he's not really apart from a few silly one-liners he's not really a plonker in this is he no he just get he says a few daft things but he's he's pretty sharp isn't he? Like yeah. you said, early triggers quite not as dull as he, as he later becomes. Well, not dull, but, you know, plonker-esque. Yeah, of course. And another thing with this episode, with Leonard Pierce, granddad, yeah. I think he shows quite a vulnerability to his character, doesn't he? Whereas in the majority of the other episodes, he comes across as being quite stubborn, doesn't he? He's yeah. sort of set in his ways and he mm. does stuff his way. So, yeah, it's quite nice to see. We like to say a huge thank you to all of our followers on Twitter because we reached a milestone this week of 1,000 followers. Happy days. Stop back in. Thank you very much, everybody. Cheers. And we also reached <clears throat> over 10,000 downloads, which is a real achievement for us. We never thought it would even reach those yeah. numbers. And, um, yeah, we're just really, really pleased that you guys are really enjoying what we're doing. And, of course, we love doing it. And, um, yeah, thank you so much. Well, we're actually uh, closer to 12,000 now because we've had quite a lot of downloads over the last week or so. Well, it's been quite a few weeks since we got together, so um, I haven't really seen you two, apart from you, James, yesterday. Apart from that, I haven't seen you too much, so what have you been up to? Well, I've we've been on holiday, not together, we don't do that, but uh, yeah, we've had a bit of holiday for the half-term for the kids. Bailey, what about you, mate? <laughs> I have just been busy working, but I've been to a few places over the holiday, as it's been Easter, so enjoying a bit of the sun. 
But I have an interesting story to tell you guys, which kind of relates to the episode that we're going to be talking about tonight. Go on, then. This is really random, and please let me know how you feel about this. Mm-hmm. I was chatting to someone the other day, I won't, I won't mention their name, and um, they work at a music venue, quite a large music venue near where I'm from. And one night there was uh, Johnny Rotten's band from the Sex Pistols was playing, well, I believe they're called Public Image Limited. And someone was there who was a lifelong fan of theirs who'd passed away. And their best friend or their, I don't know, their brother or some sort of close knitted family member wanted to give Johnny Rotten an envelope full of this person's ashes to throw out on stage whilst they were performing. So, um, yeah, oh, it all, all sounds a bit strange, <clears throat> but, but apparently they got clearance for it and it actually happened. So a load of music goers had some ashes spread all over them? Presumably, yeah. So did the uh, organiser, the guy who okayed the ashes, go, What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> We're Buddhists. <laughs> yeah, possibly. I right? repeat... You can't do it then. <laughs> Sorry, I wanted to get that in. That's quite fascinating. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I find How would you feel about that? It'd been in a, I, I, I don't think I'd, I'd be quite I'd have annoyed. my mouth closed and I'd probably try and leave to get to the back of the room. It's not mm. really my sort of thing, but I guess that was that last person's dying wish to be scattered at a Over a thousand people. Was it, their, was it their wish to have scattered ashes spread all over their tops of their heads? I'd probably not. Well, yeah, I'm not too sure. They they must have been made aware of it, or maybe Johnny just went and did it. But um, yeah, I find it quite an interesting story. Yeah, it is very interesting. Fascinating. It is weird, but fascinating. But yeah, these these things do happen. I wonder if she was married twice and they gave the wrong envelope. <laughs> maybe. Who knows? Right. Shall we crack on with the episode? Let's do it. So here's Ashes to Ashes. <laughs> Ashes to ashes, here we go. <laughs> market scene at the start. I love a market scene. I don't know about you. I like seeing the hustle and the bustle. And they're literally at the st- on the street corner flogging some bookie gear. He's always somewhere different. I suppose he's got to pop up wherever he can, hasn't he? He's a fly pitcher. Mm. Ronnie looks like he's been on lookout all day. He looks really fed up. He's sitting against the wall looking very disinterested, doesn't he? Mm. Mm. Being a lookout would be a pretty rubbish job, wouldn't it? Especially if you really want to get in with the hustle and bustle. You just sit there all day. You're not just a lookout. You're a bad lookout. So I think Del Boy's missed a, a marketing trick here. If you're selling women's <coughs> tights like Del Boy is, get the your younger brother, good-looking brother, to sell them. And I think you'll get more units sold. I don't know if... I think people down in the East End, they won't be swayed by that. I think, you know... I don't think they'd be swayed by... I don't think Rodney's particularly an attractive specimen of a man. I think Daryl's got more charm, despite being twice the age of Rodney. So do you know where this scene was shot? Is it London? Is it Bristol? Do we know? This is still London. It's still London. It's not until, like, series five? Six. Six? Eighty-nine. That they moved to Bristol because obviously got a bit too much. I think this might be the first... Story we hear from Rodney of his love life. I know he's he's been out with Sandra, but he's recounting a um, the night before embarrassing incident where he's been at his uh, a bird's house and the, the father of the bird has caught him sort of almost with his trousers down his ankles. But in this case, Rodney's had his jeans on back to front. 
Well, last night I went round that bird Linda's house for the evening, right? And her mum and dad come home earlier than what we expected. Had you had it, did they? Well, no, you know, they didn't actually catch us. It was all a bit of a panic, though. So where does all the trouble come from? Well, as I was leaving, her dad just happened to notice I had my jeans on back to front. <laughs> Your jeans on back to... What did he say? He swore at me. Oh, I bet he did. <laughs> I bet he didn't know whether you were coming or going. <laughs> I've just noticed in the scene, there's a lady staying right at the camera in a yellow coat just behind Trigger when he's sweeping the road. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can yeah. obviously see a big film crew. It's still quite new at this point, wasn't it? So they wouldn't really know what's going on. They go, what are they filming now? So this is the first time you see Trigger on the job, isn't it? I think with his broom. It is. Yeah. But I think you see a really nice side of Trigger in this episode, and you see a really nice side of Dell as well, because they are genuinely trying to do the right thing all the way through. And Dell boy equally goes, "Well, who's going? You know, oh, it's only going to be me." So you think, "Well, we got to support him a little bit." I don't think they really want to go, but because he's a mate, yeah, they're going to back him up, which is really nice. I think. I think you get a lot of people who say, quite a lot of people don't really like Dell boy as a character. Really? Well, they think he's quite mean in some of the episodes and yeah. quite bullying, uh, especially in the Royal Flush. Well, I I've, I've, maybe, I've read maybe, that quite a lot. For that episode, but I think you'd find it's the overly sensitive modern folk could say that. I think well, exactly. the vast majority of... You don't, you don't mean the hardcore fans, though? No, I think there's a, I think I still think... I've read quite a lot of uh, negative stuff on people think Del Boy's a quite nasty character, haven't you? Yeah, I've read it as well. And uh, this side, Del Boy shows his real nice side, I think. The vast majority, he is. Dell does sort of manipulate <clears throat> things to his own benefit, but when the chips are down, he's always there for his brother and granddad or Albert, whoever it may be. Yeah. Do you think that uh, Dell and Trigger's relationship sort of um, degrades over time as Trigger becomes more and more stupid? Do you think they did that for a reason so Dell could grow closer to Rodney? Because I think their relationship in this is really lovely, isn't it? And I would like to have seen more of that. But Trigger doesn't seem to be that open as a character in later episodes, does he, for that sort of spark in that relationship to happen? Possibly. I, we have previously spoken about um, John Sullivan developing the characters. Maybe he's done a series by this point. He, he might have changed his mind on how he, the direction of certain characters go. Boise's quite friendly and relatively charming, not charming, but in the first series. Yeah, again, John Tyson's character does change quite a bit, doesn't it? Yeah. I feel like in this episode that uh, Trigger's character really, really develops, but I don't think it particularly goes much more past this episode. If I feels like increasingly he's almost wheeled out as a comedy to bring in the odd word liner in the pub, and I don't think I don't think there's any other major storylines of Trigger, is there? Really, there's always the odd bit in the background, like the later, later, later episodes when he's trying to invent something. It feels a bit. Let's wheel him out for a funny yeah, line. Yeah, that is, that is quite strange. I think what it is with <clears> Trigger, I think they decide, I think John Sullivan probably decided that the whole whole audience watching the episode with Trigger in, and we're probably just waiting for these silly one-liners, and those one-liners probably got the biggest reaction, so that's probably the direction he wanted yeah. to head in with Trigger's character. And it worked. And yeah, it I agree, but I think, I personally, this is just me, my, me and my own opinion, I would have liked to have seen more of Trigger's personality and yeah. friendship traits with Dylan Rodney as he is in this episode, which I think is something really nice. But I did say previously, maybe it was done purposely by John Sullivan, so the relationship between Dylan and Rodney could grow, and you could see those two moving closer yeah. together rather than 
constantly arguing and bickering. I, I mean, think that if, makes sense, though. For, like, yeah, we do want certain characters to have appeared more. I wanted to see more of, like, Mike and Sid, but absolutely, it's I obviously think, worked how it's written. I think that if you think about the characters, so you've got, obviously, Del Boy, Rodney, Grandad, and later on Albert, you've also got Boise Marlene, they've always got their sort of back story of trying to have a, a child together. Oh, plus they had the spin-off. Plus they had their own spin-off, but... And I think there's various other characters who sort of follow through their journey, but I don't think you really get that with Trigger, and it would be nice if he... I'm not, I'm not saying let's get him married just for the sake of an episode, but if he had like an auntie or a granny or someone who was kind of in there, but maybe that would just shatter the illusion of the funny, you know, the funny trigger. It's quite strange how Trigger's character <clears throat> is such a big one, you know, it's up there with, with Dan and Rodney. Yeah. Despite what his character actually is when you strip him down. He's in the first episode, right yeah. way through to the last episode. Yeah. It's a shame. But you know, I think it obviously works. But I think there's some fans out there who would have, who who possibly would agree with me. He's not got a massive amount of dialogue, though, has he? Apart from his, you know, famous one-liners, and obviously he did really help support David Jason in the in the same way he falls through the bar. Yeah, that's true. And of course, well, I think we've probably mentioned this before, but that was Roger Lloyd-Pack's suggestion to be in there. Yeah, when he was time. filming, wasn't he? Uh, or something else. Yeah, I think he was like filming next door, wasn't he? And he yeah. suggested to yeah. John Sullivan. John me to pop in, but he does make that scene. And like I say, he's in a lot of those popular scenes. Yeah. He, um, um, do, do you ever find yourself using a Fools and Horses quote day to day life, uh, whatever context of chat you're in? So, for example, this scene now um, where he announces to Dell that his, old, his grand died, and Dell's, oh, I'm really sorry. Sorry about that trick. Well, your fault. It, not your fault, Dell. I use that now. Oh, well, I have done for years. Someone says, I'm sorry to do that, so not your fault. They obviously don't know what the hell I'm on about. <laughs> I can't say I do, to be honest. Just you, man, I'm afraid. Next scene, we uh, it's Trigger's grand's house. And Del Boy's obviously... He knows that everything's going to be sold at some point, and Rodney knows as well. And Rodney now knows that, potentially, that Del just saw a glimmer of an opportunity to get hold of some of... Yes, that's exactly stuff. what I was going to say. Mm. Maybe he was just using Trigger to I get mean, to the house and look for the valuables. But he all but admits it in a, in a moment. Yeah. He's going to rather than Trigger get, you know, done, done up like a kipper by somebody that no, I thought we'd better coming from an old mate. Because Wed, Wedgwood, uh, Wedgwood's pottery. So the, the next scene from the market is, <clears> well, it's, um, it, is it Tr- Trigger's auntie? Well, it's grand, isn't it? Sorry, Trigger's grand, sorry. Yeah. That house is... Absolutely ancient looking, isn't it? It's it looks like it hasn't been touched since about the twenties. It looks like yeah, twenties, thirties. Quite nice. Though. I expect that'd be worth an absolute fortune now in, the, <laughs> yeah. in London, wouldn't it? The oh, fir- sorry, mate. I'm just going to say the first scene with Leonard Pierce. The camera zooms out of him, From and him, he, yeah. he 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 sat in his chair with a with a bunch of flowers, and he looks quite sad and mournful, doesn't he? But in fact. He's probably just thinking about old times and yeah. reminiscing about when he was last there. But at this That's point, true. we don't realise. I very much bought into Trig, trig reminiscing about what it was like living in that house. I don't know if it's just the acting or the writing on a bit of both, but I really did buy into what it must have been like to live with his grandparents and you know a new sort of um, era moving away from them. Nah, she would have hated it. <laughs> Trigger would have inherited this house, then, wouldn't he? Yeah, he wouldn't. He said he wouldn't be short of a few bob. <clears throat> he was um, on. He, he said he was like in court for something in the scene, and he said it'd be good to get away from all the 
all the troubles he's getting himself into. Oh, I can't remember. Uh, he, just, he just mentioned that'd be good to get away from uh, the court case. It's a very clever scene of David mm. Jason examining the chair, what he's yeah. let down. So from the perspective of where it's shot, it looks like a free-floating, spooky chair. <laughs> and then I like that he walks over to the Mona Lisa and goes, it's a copy. <laughs> yeah. it's like, oh, is it? Like he thought it would be yeah. <clears throat> See, uh, watching this episode when I was a young lad, very young, when he's doing the inspecting the chair, I just thought he was just prattling about being down. I didn't really get the uh, why he was the fact he's inspecting the chair. That's a typical Dale Boy thing, Taylor, isn't it? Wedgwood, yeah. well, Wedgwood's pottery. That was it. Oh yeah, it's quite a nice house actually, though, isn't it? Like I'm admiring Dale Boy's suit. Yeah, it's very posh. It's probably one of the smartest suits I've ever seen him wear. You have to stick a pound in the uh, clothing tin that we've uh, <laughs> like, put together. Sorry, every time we mention the clothes, right? I think and that's, at the end that's of it, we'll Chinese, though. I think. Yeah. This I something out good fellas. I is, think as well that Grandad with his uh, he's got the reef there. And I think there is something about when old people get to a certain age and all their friends start to die. I think it probably hits them a bit harder. And despite it's sort of implied what's happened in terms of an affair. He's um Oh, thank still, God you cut in then because I've run sorry, out of things to say. He's still wearing his pyjamas, isn't he? But he's, we've not seen him in a blazer before, but he's still got the old pyjamas on mm. underneath that shirt. Like we said, Trigger has that aura about him. Mm. It, as, as a character, he's just sort of... He's more fully formed than like this. He knows yeah. what he's talking about with life. He's, he becomes ever increasingly dull, and that's the direction John Sullivan wanted him to go in, and it, it definitely worked. Yeah, we like we said, we did want him to have a bit more input, but it just allowed Dale, Rodney, eventually Albert, and their families to have more screen time. Hmm. I, I don't. I don't think Trigger's character development worked in Roger Lloyd Pack's favour because no. he was quite an established actor, wasn't he? He's a very articulate actor, starring in various Shakespeare productions. And I think he used to get, well, I think it's commonly noted, isn't it, that he used to get fed up of people going up to him all the time, just giving him all these yeah, silly all right one-liners there. and just presume that <clears throat> that was what he was all about, when in fact it wasn't. That was just a very small part of him and his career and his talent. Mm. So, you know, it's not like he uh, was typecast. Did he, like you said, after Paul's Nonsense, he was doing Harry Potter, Shakespeare productions, like you said. He's done a few cult films. He was in, like, um, If, I think. Oh. I love the scene where... Uh, Who's, is it Rodney? I suppose your dad, Trick. And he goes, oh, he died a few years before I was born. <laughs> One of the first, what are you on about Trick moments? Like He says a lot of things throughout the, the series that doesn't quite make sense. That being one of many. I can almost see my granddad now. Sitting by the fire. One leg on the fender. Other one in the corner. <laughs> And he's not really read um, the, the body language of Grandad. Clearly, you know, a little bit wary about Trig. You know, give him a, a lamping for sleeping with his uh, old Gran. Grandad knows exactly where to go in that house because he's been there before. And Trigger's got absolutely no idea. He doesn't pick up on the fact and question the fact that why does he actually know where he's going? True. But it's a very subtle bit in that scene before it quickly cuts onto the next section of the episode where you can see Dell looking at Trigger. Hmm. in wonderment thinking how on earth have you not just figured out what's gone on between between him and granddad well if you think about Albert what he got up to when he went to France all over the shop Del Boy Rodney and Trigger could be related 
<laughs> it's true, it's isn't interesting it? concept. Into the next scene, back at the flat, we've got a straight away got a visual um, gag, so to speak, with Dale looking through the magnifying glass. And then Rodney trying to clean off trying it. To, that yeah. it. See that Dale, mark there? And Dale's reaction to that is just as funny, like getting wound up by his brother for being so dopey. That's typical plumkerish Rodney, yeah. isn't it? Oh, I'll get it off. <laughs> Dale Boy considers this a good day's work now because he's helped out a mate. He's gone to a funeral and now he's got sort of first dibs on everything that he thinks he could sell. Here's a question for you guys. Gordon. If you got given two urns, what's the first thing you do once you've been given them? I was about to say, why didn't they look inside the urn? The first thing that? you do, you'd look inside it, even if it feels as empty, you'd look inside of it. But I'm pretty sure urns which are full of ash have got a bit of weight to them and Dale Boy's moving it up and down, left and right. You'd probably feel there's a weight of something well, moving I, around. I've never looked inside of them and they've got like um, a, la- a layered like sectioning and then there's the well, ash look, underneath. There's a, I don't know, but there's a lid and you check that lid and he look, he's seen it straight away, Grandad, but you also open it to make sure there's no cracks, wouldn't you, on the, on the top? Yeah, the rim. that's true. That is true. And you, they just instantly notice well, the ashes. Perhaps, oh my God. perhaps benefit the doubt, right? They on that this they just come back from a funeral probably they haven't really looked inside the urns at his house they just put it in the back of the van or whatever they come back and Dale's starting to inspect it he's just he's just interested on the the ex- exterior of the pot of the urn hmm. then they just discover it we we'll just have to assume that's the case. I've just noticed you can spot the shadow of the boom mic mm. in the sombrero in that shot yeah, where they're okay. examining the urn. Yeah, I just, just have to rewind the DVD to make sure, but you can definitely see the, the shadow of a microphone. Because oh. presumably where they're standing is right on the edge of the set. I wonder why they take upon themselves to scatter it there, the, the ashes. I guess they look look upon it as uh, doing Trigg a favour. But you, uh, if you were Trigg, I don't care what personality you are, you'd be like... Thanks, but actually, it's a bit weird. I'll I'll scatter my own family's ashes. Thanks, though. Like I'll come back from holiday and I'll do it then. Mm. We we know why they want to do it because but yeah, when they the ends, yeah, and they're in a bit of a panic. But it's a little bit strange, I think. Well, they could have taken out and put it anywhere, couldn't they? For his ashes, we've got we've sold the urns to the Boy Scouts Club. Is that what they were going to sell it? The Boy Scouts. Yeah. Going back though, it's perfectly reasonable to suggest that. But if Grandad had had a bit of a fling with um, the grandmother, he could also be Trigger's uh, grandfather, paternal. Just yeah, that's true. For any, I missed that. Sorry, but I'm, I can listen to it back. I'm in the podcast. So. Devilpoy and Rodney, yeah. could be. What was that relation? That make them half brother? No. Well, whilst you think about that, no, it wouldn't make sense because it's not the parents; it's the grandfather. So. I don't know. I think it just makes a blood relation. For any Rock and Chips fans out there who you know watch the the prequels, this um, Grandad's affair with Alice Trick's Gran would be mentioned again in the Frog and the Pussycat episode. No, really. As the main reason why V threw her husband out there of their house in Deptford. So that's what I like about Rock and Chips. It, it, John Sullivan's able to go over a few little uh, um, reasons behind, behind certain storylines. So we come to the realisation now where Grandad is very, very freaked out that he's in the same room as Arthur after mm. what he did behind his back whilst he was in the war. Arthur's ashes. It's a black bloke who won Wimbledon, wasn't it? <laughs> also, it's a certain generation of people who are very sort of Christian or Catholic or whatever, and they believe more than ever back then in sort of the, the afterlife ghosts and people still do now, but especially 
personal granddad. Well, I think they're a little bit more sacred, weren't they? Yeah. And to have someone's ashes in, in the same room as you is quite... Well, I would find it a bit... Especially when you've got a guilty conscience about them in the first place, mm. and then suddenly you work out that they're ashes there. You must, I suppose you must think that yeah. this I is do, meant to... I do love Dale's little prank then when he said, who's left his wooden leg out there? Yeah. Followed by his, his cheeky laugh. Is that the first and only time we see the Trotter's bathroom? Where's Edward? You need him. He'd yeah. be on bathroom watch. For you to pee room. Yeah. yeah. Clever. It's quite weird wallpaper they got in there as well, like a mermaid wallpaper, isn't it? <laughs> it's quite a rare shot of their sort of hallway, isn't it? So that would be because there, Del Boy is walking off towards what I thought would be in Rodney's bedroom. No, um, Rodney's is that no because he Rodney's calls him it's opposite, isn't it? Because do you remember yeah. when Raquel leaves a cup of tea down on the floor in later episodes, yeah. same door. This is a genius scene, I think, because such clever writing where Del Boy spooking Granddad with the uh, traffic cone, then he starts to shake the curtains with some sort of bean cane or broom. So fishing line. It's a fishing rod. Oh, sorry, fishing rod. I love the fact that Del Boy turns and goes, where's your money kept? <laughs> it almost feels a bit like, like a carry-on film or something like that. Where's your money kept? Also reminds me a bit of Bottom, Eddie and Richie with the money. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. For the, um... I'm deaf. <laughs> oh, I said... <laughs> Rodney's come out in his Dan Dare t-shirt. Yeah, well, I had to deny. No one else said anything. <laughs> I love Del Boy's laugh as well. <laughs> it must have been like a high comedy moment, really, with the first time that was aired. So we've reached a scene where Grandad's showing his vulnerable side by having a heart-to-heart with this urn full of ashes. Mm. And he's wearing his uh, hat still. <laughs> In, in the flat. Yeah. Not knowing, obviously, that that's not actually Arthur's ashes in that urn. <laughs> I ain't got no money. Crafty trotter, yeah. so you can see where Dell gets it from. Yeah. It's under my mattress. No, it ain't I looked. You've been under my bed. <laughs> as soon as the episode I am where... everywhere. Yeah, he has it in a little money belt, doesn't he? Mm. In what is it, Dell says, no wonder why. Your that's kidneys... why you think of show up on that um, x-ray. That's yes. why your kidneys, yeah. Who keeps a chill off my belly? Such a crafty family, the Trotters. It's unbelievable, wasn't it? It's quite amazing to think that anyone would have a fall for that, though, isn't it? Tell me, tell me where your money's hidden. So, what does that imply? That Dow is going to sneak and steal his money? Yeah, but what must Grandad think? Like, you know, he's, I know he's in the moment there, but you can't think a ghost is going to rob him, physically rob him. Is it forgiveness that you seek, Trotter? Well, yeah. Uh, I'm really very sorry for what's happened, Arthur. Ah, but how do I know that you mean it? Oh, I do, Arthur. I I do really. I'll do anything to prove it to you, Arthur. Anything you say. All right, then. Tell me where your money's hidden. Money. Oh, don't give me that, you lying old kid. <laughs> I know you're all right for a few, Bob. I don't want to know where it is hidden. It's in my suitcase under my bed. No, it ain't, I looked. <laughs> they do a lot of their humour, don't they? It's sort of like three in the morning when one of them's just got up for a cup of tea or something, don't they? It seems that way. I'm going to go out there and say this is probably one of the funniest scenes that takes part in their flat other than the 
dangy UXD with the inflatable dolls. Can you think of another funny moment which happens? Sort of slapstick comedy moment in the flat? Who's yes. Rachel? Uh, um, Albert with his... <laughs> the girl. Yeah. Oh, and, I guess so. And also, it's the same I did scene, a very childish thing. Rodney sitting in his, the, the, the piss patch. Yeah. You know. But yeah, I, but I, I guess that's not so slapstick as the other previous scenes. But yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, trying to think of other things. That's it's a good question, actually. Yeah, that's a good thing. What other scenes in the flats had that sort of slapsticky moment? Quite nice. Now, Dells, even though he's just tried to wind up Granddad, he goes, "All right, well, we'll go and take it, and we'll go and bury him." So, do they wait till the following evening? Because I imagine they don't go now. Oh God, yes. He sa- yeah, he says, "Well, we're not going to do any scattering right now. We'll uh, wait in the morning." Hmm. Well, I suppose in their head they're going straight to the bowls club, aren't they? They don't have to go out to sea and all that. I, I just, it's just, I cannot believe they wouldn't <clears> just <throat> wait for Trigg to get home and just say, "Look, I know we're going to sort of get rid of these urns for you, but there are ashes in there. Just thought we'd let you know." What would they want with a lollipop uh, stop sign, I wonder? You can see that in the background. Well, you never know, Dale might have bought a job lot where that was included. Yeah, house clearance or something like that. And to be honest with you, Dale's character could have sold anything to, to anyone, mm. so everything's a treasure to him. At the famous scene now on the bowling green when they're sneaking out. It always makes me, I don't know why it makes me chuckle, but... The condensation in the air when they're talking, just like it must be so cold that night. Mm. It is a great scene, though, isn't it? They start saying, trying to think of like a prayer. Didn't quite click in the first time I watched this when the uh, members <clears> of the bowling <throat> club arrive to have a have a dinner party. The light switches on. They think obviously some sort of heavens opening up. Whereas at the time I just thought, oh, it's just the light that's just turned on and they're going to get caught out. I never thought of it that way at all. It is that's like a eureka moment. That, that must be what it... That, that yeah, it could symbolise that. Yeah, yeah let's, let's have a look. they look up, didn't they? They start singing about, Dear God, high up <laughs> in, in the, the sky. sky. That is a Christmas carol. Go whole hog. <laughs> but they could have just scattered it to the side and without well, the light, wouldn't they? They could, they could have just scattered it now. Yeah. But it, I think they just they've got some morals still in them. They don't want to just... Well, they are God-fearing people, aren't they? They're quite religious, and they'd always give the church... You know, they yeah. might well nick the lead off the roof, but they'd still give 20 quid. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, they look at ah. it. Yeah. I thought that was just me, but no, it's... No, I always... I never ever picked up on that. I just thought I it was, oh, they've, they've just clocked that. There's The lights are on, quick, let's get out of here. Which they do, but they also think in that moment... And the lights come on, so obviously one one of the um, people from the bowls club has just gone to the window. He's Tom, I'm telling you, I saw it. <laughs> it must be. What is it? Can't see a thing, my dear. <laughs> yeah. I That's think you're imagining it. Fantastic acting by David Jason, the way he quickly ran out onto the bowling green to grab the. Uh, oh, in. perfect timing, though. Yeah. St. Catherine's Docks. Good old Thames, and they're going, they're going to the, these lengths to get scattered the ashes. Like I said, they could have done it by now. Hmm. Tower Bridge in the background. My belly's going up and down that Tower Bridge. <laughs> I love the way Dell obviously is just sat there leisurely in the boat whilst yeah, Rodney's doing yeah. all the hard work. <laughs> Dell's wearing all of his finery as well. He's got his camel hair coat on. He doesn't want to get that wet. <laughs> There's always I a, love that. There is a true. <laughs> there is a reference as well to the first two times. I'm not sure about going forward where. Um, they have like a religious experience. So 
they say, dear God, and then the light comes on, they look up, and in this one, they just hear a voice going, what are you doing? What yes. are you doing? We're Buddhists. <laughs> you can't do it, then. Sit quiet for a minute. Stinks all religious. Frightened for those for Della Rodney when I first watched this. I said, Don't get arrested, don't get arrested. You always rooting for the night. You? <laughs> you were far too invested in this as I a young very child, weren't you? Invested in this as a however young I was. James, you had a xylophone, didn't you, in your house? Not a xylophone. I had a microphone. Not a microphone. Megaphone. 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 <laughs> yeah, I got one xylophone for Christmas on the Secret Santa. Yeah, and we quoted this scene, didn't we? Yeah, we did, yeah. Much to my girlfriend's annoyance. Yeah. I repeat, what are you doing? We're still only at the part of Fools and Horses where there's only <clears throat> one main plot and nothing else going on. But the episodes are getting stronger, as that would naturally be the case. See, look, he's thinking now about chucking it in the old Irish tumble dryer, the uh, cement That's, that's quite a funny expression, isn't it? Have you ever heard of that before until you saw this? No, the time I've heard of that expression is this show, and yeah. I've not heard it since. Is it actually a thing, or is it a Del Boy phrase? But then yeah, the fact that, that he hasn't dumped overboard because they wanted to do a religious ceremony, but now he's like, oh, I could just dump it in there. I think he just wants to get shot of it, doesn't he, really? He does now, yeah. He spent, he spent the whole day away from the market, not earning any money. And now they're just sat on the side of the uh, road there, sort of discussing what they're going to do. Are those guns actually worth anything, though? I know Dale thinks they are, but are they? Are they worth all this hassle? He did what? some research, didn't he? Saying, About 300 quid, isn't it? Is that right? Is that the price? I don't know. It's a pair as well, so it's always going to be more valuable. I always wondered whether this guy, he seemed to me, I remember watching this when I was very young, this guy who's driving the uh, dust van, I always thought he was a genuine dustman, the way he was speaking. I think it's just called a good actor, mate. Yeah, I know that now, don't I? But the six-year-old me was going, oh, my God, that is actually a real dustman. Because it feels almost like a documentary type in a minute. Not now, but when he gets out and he goes, and he's sort of trying to reach up the tubes to get the uh, mm. urn out, it's a bit quiet. It's like, oh, it just seems a bit improv. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Am I... Does that make any sense? <laughs> I think it's just good acting, isn't it? It's just, 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 just. We'll have just. to get him on the show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the rig guy from Tyler back. I can't wait to speak to him. <laughs> I cannot wait to see his little face. They've all then realised they're both now justifying to themselves about the um, ashes. It wasn't, nothing do, it wasn't our fault, though, was it, Dale? No, nothing to do with us at all. It was a complete accident, completely out of our control. And then they justify it further by saying, well, he used to be a dustman. So he would have, you know, that's how, what, how he would have wanted to have gone. Probably not. No, but... Have we mentioned the kitten gag yet? What was the kitten gag? Go on, Bailey. It's your moment. What was he? A kitten? A little kitten? <laughs> <laughs> what was he a little kitten I think that's a really really good joke quite um, quite subtle but really really funny what was he a kitten no <laughs> a little kitten oh this is where they uh, trigger us now on the phone to granddad um, they don't know they think oh god he's calling because they want his ashes back we just got rid of them they thought he'd be gone for what two weeks yeah he was, said he was going island. away for fortnight so 
No, in trigger, you could talk him round. I mean, he didn't know they were in there anyway. So they probably could have got away with it, couldn't they? Yeah, to be honest with you, I don't know how much Trigger would care, really. I don't know, it's, it's ashes. She found his ashes. But he would have known there and there in the first place. Exactly, which, yeah, which I guess begs the question, why would he, if he cared, why would he give them away in the first place? Unless, it just feels like a... I don't know what it feels like, but... <laughs> <laughs> The listeners will get it. We'll cut that bit. Yeah. I like it when Del Boy now, he's leaning on the phone and he just suddenly realises that uh, he sort of leans and looks to Grandad slowly and gives him a little look. And this is great acting. Oh, I didn't know that. Nobody told me. Grandad looks all worried. <laughs> Looking all coy. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. See this this um, part of the episode here where Dale tries putting the phone down, but mm. he's got the, the receivers around the other side. Yeah. Do you think that is complete improvisation from David Jason, or do you think that was written in the script? Well, for well, I don't know. It's just one of those things that it could be improvised. Yeah. This is where now Dale Boy just explains it all. He didn't tell tell me he was married. She was married twice. <laughs> Looks in the other one and realizes. There's ashes in there as He's well. He's going to do it all over again, either <laughs> that or just give it a trick and say, you deal with it. And the credits roll. Hey, um, just a, a little bit of trivia for you. You may or may not know this, but the River Police uh, bloke who was calling out over the microphone, mm. he was also the vet in Sleeping Dog Life. Oh, really? He's been, on, he's been to the convention. Yep. That is very, very interesting. One day... down for a full house and we're off and running. Hi Steve, it's James from the Jolly Boys podcast, how you doing? I'm very good mate, how are you? Yeah, really good, thank you. Hi Steve, it's Tom here, how you doing? Hello Tom, very good mate, thank you, yourself? Not too bad, thanks for joining the podcast. No problem, pleasure. Uh, we've also what, got Bailey here. Watch your Steve and my San. <laughs> Hello mate, how are you? Yeah. So, what, so where are you calling in from Steve? I'm in Stoke-on-Trent mate, Staffordshire. Ah, very oh, nice cool. place in the world. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, one of the shire counties, yeah, yeah, in the Midlands, mate, yeah. Lovely. And how old are you, if you don't mind me asking? I'm, I'm 43, unfortunately. 43 years young. It's a, it's a good age. Yeah, yeah absolutely, 43 <laughs> years young, yeah, definitely, definitely. So how long have you been a fan of Only Fours and Horses? Uh, I would say, I was, since I was a kid, since I, as long as I can remember, to be honest with you, I mean, one of my childhood memories was sitting down with my parents on it of an evening when I was 10, I don't know, 9, 10 years old and watching it and uh, I've, grown, I've grown up with it and I've, I've, I've kept it very close to my heart all my life I'm still, I'm still a massive fan now, I'm going to go to the convention in, in October Sweet. this year. Fantastic. Nice. Is it the first time you've been to a convention or have you been before? No, no. Went to, went to one a few years ago in Mansfield, uh, couple, two years back, 2017. This is the second one. I'm looking forward to this one. We're getting on the Sunday, so we've got some, some, some beer with guests on the Sunday, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to that with my wife. Fantastic. Right. So, so, so is your wife also a fan? She is massively, yeah, yeah. Same, yeah exactly the same. Um, loves it. Uh, I've, I've got pictures on the landing, and yeah, we, we, we love we love the program. Still do. That's good. It's fortunate for you then, because like in Absolutely, my house, I like yeah. keep playing it. My missus gets yeah. a bit fed up putting <laughs> the same old questions on. She doesn't. She doesn't mind. She doesn't mind. Yeah. I flick it to you on UK Gold, and you know it's on. I'll pop it on, and she loves it. So yeah, right. that's good. The big question is, Steve, who's who's the who's the more bigger fan, yourself or your wife? It's got to be me. It's got to be me. Yeah, you, you, you got to say that on our podcast, haven't you? Let's be honest. 
Absolutely, absolutely. You know, she's she's sitting next to me now, but I, I still maintain that I'm, I'm the bigger fan. She's testing <laughs> me on the questions, and yeah, yeah, ah. I've yeah, excellent. Yeah, so you mentioned you, you mentioned you've been to two previous conventions. Uh, which actors have you met from Only Fools and Horses, Steve? We had a we had a bad we had a bad deal with the last one, unfortunately. Um, we had uh, John Chalice was there, um, uh, Cassandra was there, Raquel was there. We had to get away, unfortunately, um, uh, pretty early, and unfortunately we didn't meet any of them. Oh, no. we, had to, we had to get away because of childcare issues. Oh, no, not now. Yeah, a bit of a nightmare. So that, that's why I'm looking forward to this one so much this time round because I met uh, Ricky Pierce uh, a couple of years back in Benidorm on a, on a weekend away. He was out there. Oh, cool. oh brilliant. Uh, and like I say, on the Sunday this year, we've got some really good guests, uh, Cassandra, Raquel, uh, who else? We've got Mickey Pierce there, uh, Phil Daniels. Um, oh, I'd like to meet Phil, Phil Daniels, play yeah, granddad yeah, to that, me in Robin Bonus for me. I love Quadrophenius and uh, with Phil being Phil being there as well. It was another bonus. Uh, the great Ramondo is there this time on the Sunday. <laughs> we got we got a real good lineup on the Sunday. Yeah, Denzel, Paul Barber's there as well. That's a good lineup. Absolutely, That's yeah. The Sunday good. was a massive appeal. So I'm really looking forward to that. Like I say, we we missed that last time unfortunately. We had to get away, but uh, this time I'm going to make up for it all being well. Well, I hope you had a great time. Thank you, uh, thank you. How did you come across our podcast then, just out of interest? Twitter, Twitter. I'm, I use Twitter. I used to use Facebook quite a bit. I don't use Facebook anymore, but I right. use Twitter now for my work. I use it for I'm a big football fan. I'm a Liverpool fan, so I used to. I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> sorry. sorry to hear that. <laughs> thank you. Uh, and, and through yeah, through Twitter, lots of people's stuff on Twitter out there as well. Nice uh, one. Stumble across, he followed you. Obviously, love it. Yeah. Thank it's, you very much. It's very nice yeah, it's, to it's, say. It's great. It's great. Oh, cheers. <laughs> right, should we crack on with the old quiz? Yeah. Who? who yeah, we... Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, absolutely. So it'd be me, Tom. Uh, uh, I've come up with the questions quite last minute, so hopefully okay, they're not okay. too. And uh, it's either Bailey or James. So who wants so to? It's, it's going to be James. Yeah. So you'll be up against be uh, James. James here, right? Have we done any okay. revision, Steve? Uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna boast, but I'm, I think I'm pretty knowledgeable to be honest with you. So I've not done any revision at all. No pressure. Okay, are we ready for this? Go on, then. I'm ready. So the Hit for, me. format is five questions each, and I do have a bonus question. Um, okay. And I'll go with yourself first, Steve. Is that right? Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd rather go first. Definitely. Okay. Right. So you've got ten. You've got ten seconds, haven't you, to answer the question? If not, it goes over to the other contestant. Okay. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Question one, Steve. Yeah. What did the lorry driving bin man think he'd accidentally sucked up? It's cat. That's correct. Can I just say, was it not a little kitten? Oh, but it's a cat, then. Well, I'll, I'll, give that to I'll, I'll let Steve have that one. He's giving up his power Sunday in. evening for us. That, that <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's fair enough. He sucked the power in, yeah. Sucked the power in. Well, that's one of Steve. J- James, your yep. question. What excuse does Dale give to the river police when out in the boat? What excuse does he give? Yeah. He says, have you got permission from the... No, we're Buddhists! Oh, you just got in yeah, the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just really oh, I just remembered that, yeah. I was waiting there, I got that wrong. Said, Steve was ready, ready to chime in. That's one all. Well done. Okay, back to Steve. Question two. Steve? Okay. Whereabouts on the Thames did Dale try to dispose of the ashes? Whereabouts did he try and dispose the ashes? On the Thames, which part of the Thames? 
that you tried to dispose the ashes? Ooh. Um, I'm going to go for Tower Bridge. It's a guess. Tower Bridge. Um, that's uh, that's incorrect. Okay. If, if I hand over, it's not a point, is it? It's just no, a James, no. any ideas? Sure, so I, I was going to say Tower Bridge as well. But... I think I might know. Go on, in. St. Catherine's Dock. Correct. Next. Oh, very good. You cannot perform a burial at St. Catherine's Dock. That's what you said. Catherine's oh, Dock. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know each other. Nice part of the wheels. Um, is it one all, yeah? It's yeah. still one all, and is it question okay. three for... Question two for me. Question two for you, Jim, sorry. Yeah. Um, how many years did Trick's grandparents not talk to one another? Fifteen. That's correct. These yeah. are quite easy. Well, I like to think they're quite easy, but... Who knows? Um, what's the score? 2-1. <laughs> Two, Two, yeah. Back to Steve. Okay. Okay. So, uh, I can't even read my question there. Sorry. Yeah, what was Del Boy selling <laughs> on the street corner at the beginning of the episode? Of, of that episode? At the start of the episode, what is Del seen uh, to be selling to the to the general public? Is that the one with the, with, with the, the ear? Now? Ashes to oh, ashes, yeah. 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 Uh, I worded that question badly, I apologise. But yeah, what was Dale selling at the start of the episode? Again, I have to have a guess. Uh, go for it. I'm going to go for the, the, the barking dogs. It's not the barking dogs. James, any idea? Um, I can't. Stuck in the back of my brain there. <laughs> I can't remember. Do you have a random guess? Have a stab in the dark, James. Do you know, Bailey? Uh, I don't know. Um, I've got an idea. Go, Go on. on. Cutlery? No. Oh, it's the Frog's Legacy, isn't it? He is he, he is selling women's tights. Oh, okay, uh, that's fair enough. Yeah. That was quite a tough question. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, question three for me. Question three for Jim. Uh, what was the name of Trigger's granddad? Oh... Oh, I know you can hear me. Oh, God, what's he called? We're on a time uh, limit here, Jim. We have to hurry you up, James. Yeah, I know. No uh, idea? I can't remember. Uh, Brian. Brian. <laughs> it's not Brian. It's not Brian. <laughs> no, no, just... Steve, any idea? Arthur? Yeah. Yes! Oh. Well done, Steve. Fortunately, you don't get a point, but at least, you know, yeah, knowledge yeah, yeah. there. Peace of mind. <laughs> what is the scores, Bailey? Is it 2-1? Two 2-1 one? Two one two to one, me. Yeah. Okay, right. Um, Bob Oldness over here. Question for Steve. Good old B- Bob Monk out in the corner. Question for Steve now. <laughs> Fire away. Um, question is, which airport is Tricky calling from when phoning Dell? <sighs> is he an island, Dinky? Sorry? Uh, is he an island? I'm just thinking to myself. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll go Dublin. Is that your final answer? Can't think of another, it's got to be Dublin. It's not Dublin, can I over to Jim? Oh, is he fogbound at Gatwick Airport? He's fogbound at Gatwick Airport, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking he's an island, This I? is it, I, yeah, I don't blame you for thinking that. There's only yeah, one else well, researching the question. I have to show you how it's going to go on to Ireland, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> Never no, mind. Lucky, mate. Uh, okay, so, um, we are at uh, James's question now. James. Yes. What did... Rodney Fear was originally inside one of the urns. It's not a spider, is it? That's correct. He's on four. Oh, I see. I didn't even. Oh, I didn't fire. know that. Well then, James. Um, okay. Is this this last question? Final question. Yeah. For Steve, 
Why did okay. Rodney kept caught off guard when visiting when visiting his bird? Why did he get caught off guard when visiting his bird? Yeah. Tom, who wrote these questions? <laughs> Sounds like a child wrote them. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Steve. Very obscure, it's an obscure question, I know, but this is tricky to get questions for this episode. Parents come back early and... Is that the one? Yeah, you're very close. If you want to finalise your answer. Of course, I've got... He walks away with his charge on back to front. That's it, that's the correct answer. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well done, Steve. Good work. Nice right, one, Steve. That. I couldn't think for life of me what Tom was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so that was your final question, James. You've got one final one, but I think what's you, the score? I think yeah, it's three. Anyway. I think it's three, three one. Yeah. I know Steve got one of yours right, but it doesn't count. So yeah. it's three. But anyway, I'll ask anyway. Um, so James, which song does Rodney suggest they sing while scattering the ashes when at the bowls club? We three kings. Yes, you've got it. All right. Spot <laughs> on. James. Unlucky Steve. Well played, mate. You caught. You caught yeah. James on a rare good day. Yeah, this is this is amazing for me. I don't know what happened. I must have slept really, really well last night. Before you go, have you got um, an impersonation for us? Or favourite episode or character from Only Fools and Horses? Favourite character that showed the doubt is, is the man himself, Delboy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I've, got, I've, got, I've got a couple of, a couple of things left in life put on the bucket list. One's John Barnes, my favourite footballer. My, my favourite actor's David Jason. I'd love to meet the man, definitely. Oh, same here. It's just a shame to... he's not at the conventions. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately, yeah, yeah. You never know, you never know. It might, it might happen when you least expect it, but... It'll be manic if he, him or Nick Lindhurst turned up to those. Absolutely. It'll be nice to shake hands with the man, definitely. Oh, absolutely. What about your favourite episode, Steve? Favourite episode, uh, yeah, Friday the 14th is, is my favourite Yeah, that's a good one. I, think, yeah, always, always, I just think it's, it's just hilarious. It's pretty um, nice, good, that's a good show. That is a very yeah, good choice. I mean, don't get me I've got, I've got a picture on the landing signed by David Jason and Roger Lloyd Pack. I've been pulling through the bar. Oh, uh, amazing. Just, oh, cool. Yeah, it's, it's a cracker. Yeah, a real good one. I, I, I love that episode, don't get me wrong. Chandelier yeah. episode, I love, but... Friday the 14th it's got something about it it's, it's just yeah fantastic yeah as a young kid that episode did frighten me a little bit I suppose yeah, that's yeah, quite a young lad too. that's me quite too. yeah I... a couple of, couple of uh, you know uh, what's it like Barrett's the, the bit with the album yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I can remember as a kid you know so clever so cleverly written imaginary yeah. snooker game they'll yeah, sort yeah, of take yeah. advantage of that the fact that great you can get some money the chap who played the uh, played the psychopathic yeah something I think he was named that, uh, that actor's actually in Star Wars isn't he he's in the Empire Strikes Back is he? he is and he's also in Jim Henson's Labyrinth he plays Sarah's dad or Sarah's stepdad but yeah you probably yeah. wouldn't recognise him unless you were looking out for him I'll have a look for him next time I've got it on DVD upstairs in the, uh, in the box set so I'll have a look for him next time definitely no, unfortunately they don't make comedies like that anymore do they, they don't unfortunately no, not no. it's a rare spot we keep going back to Fools and Horses isn't it because yeah, that's, 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 that's uh, not much exactly. else out there <laughs> same, same myself yeah you know it's, they don't make them like anymore and it's, it's, it's uh, probably the best, the best for me the best out there definitely oh, I hope you have a great time at the convention Thanks yeah you have to give us a call let us know how you get on 
Will do, absolutely. I'll, I'll tweet you definitely. It's been really nice to talk to all of you. Cheers, you too. Steve. Thanks, Cheers, thanks Steve. for giving out your time, mate. Take it easy. Thanks, all, right. all the best. Bye bye. See you, mate. Bye. Bonjour. <laughs> Guys, that was a great episode. I really enjoyed that. I and mean, I think it was one of the first ones where it really, really kicks on. Yeah, fab episode. Um, if only we we're all here to discuss it, which yeah. is a shame, but we let's, have got. Let's give Ed a call, shall we? Let's give him a call. All right, Sam, you're, uh, you are live to the nation. How's it going, mate? You all right? Yeah, not too bad. Not Can too you, bad. we're just about to give our handles out, um, like we do. We just want you to do your Instagram handle, Sam. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Before you do that, Ed, how do you rate the episode? Uh, I'd give that an 8 out of 10, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what was your favourite what, what moment? Um... <laughs> Yeah. 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 <laughs> Did you enjoy the quiz? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, the quiz is brilliant. Yeah. I can't believe he won it. Oh, what a shocker, eh? Who called in? Steve from Liverpool. I won. <laughs> Not really, no. Um, we missed you, you know, mate. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, guys. I hope you've had a. I've had a good one. You've had a great one. Ed, can you hear me? Loud and clear. Coming through louder than a rubber duck. <laughs> Brilliant. No, you're coming through louder than a CB, rubber duck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I hate to misquote you on your night off. Right. <laughs> Ooh. Ed, are we on Instagram? We are on Instagram. I'm glad you asked, actually. Um, <laughs> you can find us at only underscore fools underscore Oh, the signal I hope, just went. I hope you got that, listeners. Only underscore fools, underscore N, underscore horses. Underscore horses, that's it. It's worth typing all that out to see our exclusive, exclusive pictures of this. Oh, nice one. Thank that's you very it. much, Ed. Thanks, Ed. Only you can do that segment. That's why we can do it ourselves. <laughs> you, shti, Ed. you take care now. <laughs> <laughs> see you, Sam. Cheers, boys. Nice Bye. to meet you all. Love you. Bye. No, Ed. Love you. <laughs> that was Ed joining us. Yeah, we've that's the first first show we've done without um, one of us, or well, without full attendance. How do you rate that episode out of ten? So for series two quality, this is a seven out of ten. But overall, compared to all the episodes, it's a five out of ten. I'd give that um, for this series alone. I'm going to give that an 8.3. That's quite a high score. Yeah, it is. But I like it. It's a good episode, I think. Would you would you list Ashes to Ashes off as one of your favourite episodes? If someone said to you now, what are your top 10 favourite episodes? If I've got I've got my DVD box at home, Only Boys yeah. and Horses, yeah. I would, that would be in my top four or five that I would watch. Every week you say the same really thing. That's really interesting. What's wrong with that? Nothing. I like Only Boys and Horses. What can I say? That surprises but, me. That really surprises me. It's quite a controversial episode for you to mention, I think. Well, I think it's an interesting one. They're out and about a lot. They, there's a lot of different scenery. There's a lot of different background. There's a nice um, granddad story in the background. It's the only episode where you get some decent trigger action. 
some good one-liners. Yeah. I think it's a great episode. My problem, I'm guilty. I, I was explaining to you guys earlier on, but the only episodes of Only Falls and the Horses <laughs> I watch currently at this precise date and time, otherwise which are on Netflix. Unfortunately, it's only series three to five, I believe, which is on there at the moment. So it was really nice and refreshing to be watching this mm. today. So I'm going to give it a seven out of ten. I think a seven out of ten. Yeah, it's a fair score. So thanks very much, everyone, for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. We yes. we enjoyed deconstructing the episode and talking about it as always. Please give us a like on Facebook and find us on Twitter at OFA underscore podcast. And please get in touch if you've got any questions or would like to take part in a future quiz by emailing us at the OFA podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, thanks very much. It's been a good episode. Shame Ed couldn't join us, but, you know, we'll let him off. We'll forgive him. We'll, we'll have him here next time. And a big thank you, Steve, for calling in to our quiz. It was really, really lovely speaking mm. to you. It's always good to speak to only Fours and Horses fans. And you could you could tell he was very passionate about the, the sitcom. He's got a lot of love for it. And it's so cool that his wife loves it too. Yeah. And enjoy it. You have to let us know, Steve, how you get on at the convention. Yeah, we'd love to know how you get on at the convention. It's a shame us guys can't make it because, you know, we'd love to come along if we could. Right, thanks very much, guys. Cheers, boys. See you. See you Bonjour soon. for next time. Hi, Axe Pals. Yo! <laughs>